Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and one of the most common topics that I'm asked to speak about and one of the most common applications for CT in general is the kidneys. And Mike Fairley gave a talk at RSNA a couple years ago and was speaking about how CT was growing in double digits, but that renal imaging was growing uh, by a factor of about 25% or more. In part, this relates, of course, to the ER setting where we do many stone studies, but I'm not going to worry about stone studies in this uh, lecture series on the kidneys. In fact, that'll probably be some other time we'll speak about stones. But I want to talk about the latest and greatest, particularly as it relates to 64-slice CT, and look at the whole concept of how we image the kidneys. What is the optimal visualization? So in saying that, I read this article, and uh, it's a very good article uh, by Boone, commenting about 64-slice CT, which he called extreme multi-detector CT, that it had the revolutionary potential for cross-sectional imaging, however that infrastructure changes were necessary for maximum utility of this technology. And what he meant by this maximum utility, and what he meant by you know this infrastructure, really were the post-processing techniques. When I gave my talk at RSNA two years ago, 16 slice CT, is it enough? He was the one who gave the second talk where he kind of mentioned the part about radiation and he is a physicist. But you can see he learned a lot from my talk because he said that this 64 slice CT can lead to a sea of change in disease assessment and diagnostic imaging. So the potential is there. You need to use the potential. Uh, last year I spoke at RSNA. That was RSNA 2006 with uh, John Berlin on one of the uh, refresher courses, the Calgary course in uh, geoimaging, and he was speaking about some of the errors people make, which we all make, in looking at the kidneys. And uh, one of the most common errors he mentioned in general in radiology is a perceptual error in which a radiologist fails to observe or recognize an abnormality, and that's generically true, of course, we all recognize that. But in the kidney, a very common cause of perceptual error is improper technique. And I like that comment as a way of starting off my lecture because the kidney, there's no doubt, our ability to detect disease is very dependent on how we do the study. A certain phase may show the lesion better than a different phase, but at times a certain phase may be the only phase that sees the lesion. If you do other phases, you may miss the lesion. So technique is indeed important. And I'm going to speak about that in detail. Now, when we speak about technique in the kidney, we talk about phases of acquisition. We also talk about slice thickness and interscan spacing. And we really emphasize that the way to do CT well, the way the urologists love it, is with volume visualization. Urologists do not look, like to look at axial slices of the kidney. They want the kidney like it's an IVP. And that's routinely possible, whether it's CT angiography or CT urography. It's something we do on a daily basis. Now, in terms of some of the decision-making in the kidney, in terms of uh, decisions, well, contrast. How much do we give? How fast do we give it? What type of contrast do we choose? Should it be isoosmolar? What about collimation? Thin versus thick. How fast do we scan? Do we max the pitch out or do we minimize it? What about phases? Well, if radiation was an issue, you'd probably scan patients in five phases. But you can't do arterial and cortical medullary and nephrographic and excretory phase and non-contrast. And even delayed, delayed scans on every patient is too much radiation dose. So what we need to know is what phases do we need? We don't want to do less than we need, but we don't want to do more than we need. How can we make these decisions? And then we want to look carefully at some of the applications and opportunities in post-processing. So 
with this idea about multiple phases, I think a very good way of looking at the kidney is not to think about the kidney as a lecture typically people do is renal cell carcinoma, lymphoma, transitional metastasis, all the typical tumors or infection, pyelonephritis, emphyseminous pyelonephritis, etc. Let's talk about the phases of acquisition and what we see best in those different phases and how we could take advantage of those phases. So in a way, what I'm asking you to do is think about the kidney with functional imaging. And we'll make three phases. We'll say cortical medullary phase is roughly about 25 to 45 seconds post-start of injection. The nephrographic phase is about 60 to 90 seconds. And the excretory phase typically at four to five minutes. So let's look at the phases. And what I'll do in this talk, because I really want to make certain points, is I'll focus on the cortical medullary phase and then I'll also put a lot of emphasis on the excretory phase, and I'm gonna give short shrift to the nephrographic phase because I don't like it that much, and there's not a whole lot of brilliance you can say about it. It's something we do, and it's very helpful if you're looking at the IVC or renal vein, but beyond that, the compromise is at times too great. I'd rather have cortical medullary than nephrographic. So let's talk about cortical medullary phase. As I said, 20 to 45 seconds after start of injection, we're typically going at about 30 seconds or so. And when I say injection, I mean four cc's a second. If you don't inject fast enough, things will get, not get bright enough, and the phases will change depending a little bit on the speed of injection. Cortical medullary phase, the kidney, the cortex is maximally enhanced around 150. Medulla is not very enhanced, typically around 50 to 60. And so you have about a 90 Hounsfield unit difference between the two. So anything that involves the cortical medullary interface is going to show well. Things like tissue perfusion changes, any disease, infection, or tumor at the cortical medullary junction will be seen well. It's ideal for detection of changes in vascular enhancement, looking at neovascularity, looking at that whole area of uh, tumor involvement into adjacent vessels. That's the point or defining AV shunting or any other vascular process, and I'll show you some examples of that. Now, particularly in the early times of spiral CT, people wrote that cortical medullary phase imaging um, had certain issues, that it had some potential pitfalls. Now, I will agree that was the case way back when. That was like 10 plus or 15 years ago. The problem, of course, you remember with spiral CT was single slice. Slice thickness was typically five millimeters, yet it was a profile of 6.5. There was a lot of artifact, there was pseudo-enhancement, uh, tremendous amount of problems. And so I'm not surprised that small lesions, particularly vascular lesions, would be missed at the interfaces, particularly cortical medullary. Also, it's not surprising that a uh, benign lesion, like a cystic lesion, could look like a cystic malignancy and confuse them. Again, when you had thick slices, when you had beam hardening, where if you use the measurement of a lesion, it wasn't very accurate. Those from the days of one slice, maybe a little bit of four slice, but at 16 and surely 64, that's not an issue anymore. Small lesions like cysts could be overlooked, but that again is not typically an issue. But if you miss the two millimeter cyst, one would say, so what? And they speak about false positive lesions as well, which again goes back to the cystic lesions being cysts but looking like cystic malignancies. Now those were problems, and I admit when uh, Kohan and the group from Michigan wrote the articles, they were right that more renal masses were seen in the nephrographic phase, and at times lesion characterization was easier in the nephrographic phase. But I'll flip it around and say that at times, even at those levels in 1995, 
lesions in the cortical medullary phase at times were easier to define than they were in the nephrographic phase. And again, most lesions that were picked up that were quote-unquote missed on cortical medullary phase were tiny cysts. And so that gives you a so what. But something again to think about. So what I'm going to show you is why I like cortical medullary phase imaging. Well, let's look at a few examples. Left to right kidney, patient has a dissection with a stent in the left renal artery. Both kidneys are functioning, but look at the difference in cortical medullary interface, normal on the right, decreased on the left. You see it, but it's not as bright because of the differential flow to the kidney. Easy to see here, but easier to see on a coronal perspective because it affects the entire kidney. Here's my point, whether you're using MPR or 3D, it's much easier to understand much of the pathology in the kidney by looking at the entire kidney, not individual slices. That global perspective is ideal. And I'll show it to you in another example. Here is another case where you say, okay, dissection, differential flow true and false lumen, left renal arteries from false lumen, decreased enhancement of the left kidney or delayed enhancement, surely. Uh, you could see the cortical medullary interface on the left is decreased. But you might say, gee, that's how the kidney is going to look top to bottom. But in reality, when you look at the entire kidney, and it's easier to see in a 3D display, you quickly notice that the upper two-thirds of the right kidney enhance normally. The lower third seems to have decreased enhancement. And the left kidney is the reverse. The upper two-thirds have decreased enhancement. Lower one-third has normal enhancement. And you see the dissection of the abdominal aorta. And then when you look at it a bit more carefully, particularly as you go to MIP, you recognize that what's happening is that the upper two-thirds of the right kidney, the lower one-third of the left are being supplied off the true lumen, lower third right, upper two-thirds left off the false lumen. And MIP makes this very nice definition. And so MIP, I sometimes say bad things about MIP imaging, but here's a case where it works nicely because you want that accentuation of the... Uh, kidney flow based on whether it's from the true or false lumen. Now at times 3D mapping is critical. In this case, look at the lower pole of the right kidney. I think you do recognize that it's not enhancing as well as the rest of the kidney. It's a little bit subtle, but I think it's something that's fairly easy to recognize. But I will say that surely it's subtle in the axial views. But in 3D, look how obvious it is, particularly on the MIP image. So again, perfusion changes may be best seen and at times only appreciated in the volume, comparing different parts of the kidney, and that at times MIP imaging is a whole lot easier because since it's accentuating black and white, that works very nicely. Now decreased perfusion, of course, many reasons in the kidney. You could see beyond simply stenosis of a small branch vessel. Here is the entire left kidney due to renal artery stenosis. You can see the kidney is smaller. You can see with decreased perfusion. You can see also with infarcts. You can see with hypoperfusion. This patient was shocky. You can see perfusion changes in the left kidney. Multiple low-density wedge-shaped areas uh, due to hypoperfusion. You can see infarcts, IV drug abuse, post-surgery, particularly aortic aneurysm surgery. You can see a case like this where the infarcts are nearly global, where about two-thirds of the kidney in this case is involved, and here it is in the coronal display, and here it is nicely to be shown in a 3D display, where you can see the bites coming out of that kidney. Now, you can see these are pretty extensive uh, zones, as I mentioned, you can see focal infarct, and here's an example of a focal infarct, lower pole of the left kidney, and this is secondary to a uh, patient had aortic aneurysm surgery, 
and they injured one of the lower branches to the kidney. Now, the same thing, of course, could happen if there's a single renal artery. And so although in this case, the patient has good perfusion of two-thirds of the kidney, this next patient has literally no perfusion of the left kidney. You'll notice there appears to be some enhancement in the periphery, but that's from capsular vessels. So capsular vessels will cause enhancement of the periphery of the kidney, and this kidney basically is now globally infarcted. And this was a very nice example. Here's that capsular vessels making the rim enhance. And here's the 3D map of that case. Um, here's the kidney alone, and then here's the angiographic portion of the study showing you very nicely the right renal artery, but showing you the fact that the left renal artery is occluded. That was due to a surgical issue, and so the patient's kidney is infarcted. There's nothing to do about it now. It's a couple weeks post-op. It's just way too late. We can see perfusion changes in the kidneys. In this example, this is excretory phase. Kidneys look small, they're scarred, they're cysts, but there's no perfusion changes per se. But look at that about four minutes earlier. Look how nicely you see all the lobulations. The kidneys are small, they're kind of nodular. You see multiple perfusion changes in the kidney. And perfusion changes are often only seen early phase imaging. So again, when you think about flow, you need to really think about what you're looking for and when is the best time to visualize it. Wrong time will be basically not going to be the answer. And again, very nice example, just comparing the late and early phase imaging, the ability to be able to see all of those perfusion changes very nicely. Now, I mentioned that one of the things we look at in terms of cortical medullary phase relates to perfusion and I showed you arterial phase issues from dissection to uh, embolization. You also can see this case, the kidneys enlarged on the left. You can see the fact that the patient has some stranding around the kidney. The pelvis is slightly prominent. But when you look carefully, you see the fact that the patient has partial thrombosis of the left renal vein. So venous pathology can cause this issue as well. You see it nicely in the coronal. And I'll make the point that if you look at coronals left to right, 3D maps, image on your left is MIP, and you see how nicely you miss it on MIP because with MIP on a partial thrombus, you don't see it. Also makes the renal vein seem retroaortic, and it should be in a classic location. So again, a very nice point that perfusion changes can be due to arterial structures or can be due to renal pathology. And just to mention renal vein thrombosis, there are a number of causes from hypercoagulability states, primary parenchymal renal disease, trauma, or tumor extension. And again, also making the point that the renal vein is something very easy to visualize, particularly about 60 seconds out after injection. The third thing that causes changes in perfusion of the kidney would be more in the obstructive category. Look at the cortical medullary interface on the right. It's poorly seen. The kidney's enlarged. Left kidney looks normal. When you start looking carefully at the right kidney, what you end up seeing is there are multiple masses in the renal pelvis. There's soft tissue masses. This patient has multiple transitional cell carcinomas, and what the transitional cell carcinomas are doing are obstructing the patient's kidney. There's one in the more distal ureter. Again, very nice visualization. So when you think about it, what I'm really saying is that cortical medullary um, imaging allows us to see changes in perfusion. Now, it can be due to arterial processes, venous processes, or as in this case where there's a large central tumor, which was a large transitional cell carcinoma. So obstructive changes, and the obstruction doesn't need to be like this case, 
of a patient who has um, a transitional cell carcinoma, it could be a person who has a stone. So again, very, very important to remember that. And here's such an example, differential enhancement, right to left kidney, the patient just passed the stone. Very, very nice example, again, of obstruction causing the problem. And again, something we all need to understand. Now, I'll finish up with a couple examples from this case to make another point. This patient's stone disease, you'll notice that we have uh, IV contrast in the second half of the study, and you may ask, if we saw the stone, we know the patient was obstructed, and that was the cause of hematuria flank pain, why did we give IV contrast? Well, on the study without contrast, we noted what we thought was a lesion in the patient's right kidney, and when you look carefully, besides the perfusion changes, there's a two centimeter mass in the right kidney, and I'll show it to you in a number of coronal displays you can see it very nicely. I show you this study to make the point about missing something on CT. We were looking for a stone, we found the stone, but you gotta make sure there's nothing else present. Here was a two centimeter curable renal cell carcinoma seen on cortical medullary phase and seen on excretory phase. It's a very obvious lesion. It's a lesion that will be resected. It is a lesion that will be treated successfully. So again, Think about perfusion changes. It can occur arterial, venous, or obstructive. And what we'll do is, in the next talk, we'll pick it up right there. Thanks very much, and have a great day.